Well, hello and welcome to Inexos Access All Areas. My name is B, and I will be co-hosting this series of podcasts with my Inexos nerd, Hayden Murdoch. We will be delving deep with you all to explore everything there is to know about this iconic band of brothers in excess, sharing music, tours, videos, albums, and oh, so much more. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Access Access All Areas, episode 169, the podcast that dives deep into all things great about our favourite bands. We do it with patrons and loyal listeners and members of the band occasionally and other great guests, but most importantly, I do it with B. How are you, B? <laughs> I'm so good, Hayden. I'm having the best day. Let's do this. I'm, um, no, I'm not, actually. Can, can we let the listeners know a, a, no. you know, a secret? <laughs> B, B, B and I had a, a, a rare difference of opinion on something. We didn't realise we were taping it all. So, you <laughs> know, our takes in the future, we might have to bring it out as a, an episode, B, because, uh, gee, gee, you can punch on pretty hard. We we did really well. We didn't swear at each other for a chance. Oh, no, we've learned, we've learned how to keep our P's and Q's. But more importantly, B, we're coming off at episode 168, which uh, we had a massive amount of downloads, not because of us, but probably because of the subject material. It was about Michael and a bit of a deeper dive into November 22 and beyond, 1997. And thank you to everybody that has reached out to Hayden and I and said how much the episode meant to them because um, it was a bit of a deep dive and it was pretty um, raw still for a lot of people to um, to tackle, really, the 22nd. Absolutely. And I think, look, it was one of those hard ones there, but look, hopefully we got a balance between you know, the solemnness of, of the circumstances and also I did have to sort of slightly chuckle when I did listen back about poor old Cal lost his crown teeth uh, uh, in the limousine. But yeah, you know, on a more, as I said, solemn level, it was a, a horrible thing that unfortunately uh, happened to Michael and and the band and the greater fanhood and the family. But we hope we were able to just give some context. Uh, just around what led up to it all and post and, and the coroner's report and just mm-hmm. sort of the, the grief, uh, the outpouring of grief amongst fans at the time and even even our fans uh, of our podcast and the band who were a bit reluctant to listen to it, but we hope it, it healed in some ways, just talking about it. Mm. A few people said that when they got to the bit with the, the funeral music that they had to take a pause yeah. um, and some had to switch off. Mm. Please, if you do... We've done this uh, with a lot of respect. So if you do ever feel to um, listen to that episode, um, remember that we all uh, we're yep. all there for Michael. Yeah. Well, it was a delicate topic, and look, we sort of put it off for probably thirty episodes, but we're sort of glad we sort of put it behind us, and uh, we are entering a bit of a new era, which we'll elaborate on soon. But all that aside, B, has your excess sort of week been overall, or week and a half? It's been. Well, we've had some terrible news that one of our patrons passed away, so that's taken up emotion. Um, yeah. So um, rest in peace to our beautiful um, Val Dorset. Now, Val was um, a friend of Paulie Yates, actually, ah. um, back in the day, and she met Michael, and she was at Wembley. She had a lot of stories. Bless her. So rest in peace. Um, anything else come across your desk on a more positive aspect this week, B? Well, I had my little chat with um, Keith Lemon, which was good. So we've got an amazing um, video coming out of that. That will be coming out soon that we can share with everybody. Now, I have so, seen a bit of the video there. Keith does have a very cool In Excess t-shirt on B. Which one was that? Actually, it's not Keith Lemon. It's Lee Francis, which he said right. that I actually said Keith Lemon to him a few times. It's quite hard. Um, yes, he had an In Excess t-shirt on. He also had quite a lot of Michael's clothes. He even has Michael's DMs. All right. I think it's like yeah. DNA. <laughs> you know, yeah. <laughs> I've got that in my back pocket. Yeah, Keith, is, is Keith's stage name, is that right? 
Um, one of, yeah. He right. did both select Tire of the Bear and there's a couple of others. So, right. yeah, he's, he's a very interesting, funny guy. And I felt quite honoured, actually, because, yes, he does have a lot of characters and he's usually in character. And this is the real Keith Lemon. Uh, sorry, this is the real um, <laughs> Lee Francis. It's right. really hard not to say, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The real Lee Francis. And even he said it's funny talking in my own voice. So, um, yeah. yeah, you'll get to li- listen to that. This could be a little good little holiday one for uh, the, when we're on break. We could put it out as a little little holiday gap filler. Yeah, well, no. I was hoping to put it out this week and I could have a little bit more time off so I, I didn't have to do so much editing. But you've come up with a great episode which um, ties in from last week. Well, uh, before we get into that, we're going to just uh, quickly welcome our patrons aboard and uh, just also want to encourage anybody out there who does value what we do. We've got a lot of time and effort into this, uh, particularly P and the post-production side. For less than a cup of coffee a week, you can be a patron. Uh, there's different levels of patronage. Uh, but we need your help. You know, we definitely love to increase more patrons and allow you to get more access to more band stuff because as you've seen recently, there's lots of inaccessible band stuff coming out and it's some of our patrons have made it into the book, B, and they wouldn't have made it into the book without being a patron. That's right. Think about it. So yes. uh, there's not just things within our patron community uh, and our access to things within the band's community and their websites that you may get access to by becoming a patron with us. So uh, we do urge you out there, if you enjoyed you know, our podcast so far, uh, you can give up a cup of coffee, one cup of coffee a day. Uh, it will make a world of difference to us as we put this show together at great time and effort. So just I thought I'd throw that in, but be over the patrons. Yes, yeah, so if you want to become a patron, best way is to visit our website, which is in excess, accessallareas.com. I'd like to say hello to everybody outside on the highway. Let's all say hello to everybody outside, it's about 10,000 people at least. Hello. Well, hello to our honorary members. Tim Ferris, Nick Egan, Mark Opitz, Richard Simpkin, Cameron Adams, Mary Woods, Darren Jones, and Paul Jolie. Our patrons, Carmen, Laurie, Carrie Ann, Danielle, Sarah, Mark, and Sarah Camia, Dr. Jim, Katie, Lisa Mack, Anne Marie, Susan P, Pedro, Mandy, Amanda H, Amanda V, David, Paul Buckley, Ella, Ryder, Tony, Erica, Abigail, Martin, Jim, Jackie, Sheila, Shannon, Brett. Suzanne, Laurel, Bar, Genevieve, Shelby, Manny, Laurie, Jill, Heidi, Paula, Lisa, Nancy, Juliet, Scott, Anthea, Maria, Tracy, Vernon, Jamie, Diana, Stefan, Andrew, Georgie, Stephen, Keisha, Mark, Vern, Mandy, Nick, Sula, Amy, Diana, Paul P, Paul B, Alicia, John, Jay, Anne, Kathy, and our special mentions are to Sue D, Joe Robbins, John A. Vink, Michael Spriggs, Glenn Davis, Paul Boozy, and Helen Kirkwood. Welcome to the podcast, and I can't wait to read your name out next week, maybe. <laughs> All right, we're going to topic hint today. We're going to be dis- discovering, I guess, what we would call the 12-month sort of aftermath, pretty much 1998, where uh, I guess post-Michael's passing and the aftermath and just the band making their way eventually just on stage again at the Mushroom 25 uh, concert here in Melbourne, Australia. So it's quite a lot of little anecdotes and circumstances around that period that being in Australia and even in the UK being... Uh, did sort of uh, announce themselves throughout the year, but it probably was a year of genuine uncertainty, uh, given the fact they'd lost their singer and, you know, lost in some respects a lot of their identity. 
All right, B, well, it's time for something. Uh, before we get to the topic, it's time for... It's time for the news. Hi, this is Sarah from Sydney. You're listening to In Excess, Access All Areas, and now it's time for the news. All right. Well, uh, hello, Americans. Uh, you've just had your Thanksgiving and Black Friday, which I guess bees made its way all the way over to Australia, this notion of Black Friday, huh? Mm. Uh, a friend of mine the other day asked me, what is Black Friday? Do you know what it is, B? Well, I always thought it's something to do with the fires, but it's obviously not, <laughs> is it? <laughs> well, apparently it's an old retail thing back from the 50s that, you know, a lot of the time when the retailers are in the red most of the year and they have this one weekend where they turn into the black because of all the, the revenue coming in. So oh. I think it's an old retail thing, getting your, your books back into the black. Yes, um, balanced again. Yes, yeah. quite, yeah. Traditionally, I guess after Thanksgiving on Thursday, the Friday is a massive day. I, I was fortunate enough in 2008 to be up in Boston and Providence, Rhode Island uh, on uh, Black Friday and saw it for myself, just the craziness. Mm. People camped out at midnight, you know, uh, well, for midnight uh, openings and then, you know, between 12 and 3 in the morning, it used to be full on and then maybe between 3 and 5 a.m. it was quiet and then about 6 a.m. that that other lot would come in. But uh, NXS did join the Black Friday Brigade by uh, management putting out uh, about 3,500 copies uh, of Shabu Shabar. Uh, I think it was twenty six ninety five uh, retail. In the US. rarities. Yeah. The rarities and well, so obviously yeah. some rarities and some B-sides and some remixes and things. Mm-hmm. Uh, had the gold, uh, I guess, vinyl there, B, which mm-hmm. in unison with other co- uh, other things we've seen in excess have a green uh, album come out before. They've had a red one. with red one. Yeah, they've got a blue one with uh, a Dolly uh, magazine uh, single many years ago. Fake yes. and each other. Yeah. Uh, so if you did get a copy of that, fantastic. I know some of the guys from the the collection uh, gang, uh, from David and Petro, have uh, uh, been very proud about scoring one of those three and a half thousand. Uh, so yeah, if you, if you have picked up one of those copies, put it on our socials and let us know. Also, too, I think all the Full Moon Dirty Hearts uh, uh, visuals and the uh, the uh, remastered editions uh, uh, are now on YouTube uh, for all 12 songs. Some of them sound fantastic. I know uh, it has been a, a source on the band's website for people to go on and check them out. But is any one of those you've had a look at over the last week or two? I know we looked at Freedom Deep the other week and a couple others. Anything else you've had a chance to look at? Yeah, yeah. And I put them all onto our socials. So, yeah, oh, right. they're cool. great. They're looking so good. Mm. I'm not yeah. sure about the dinosaur one myself. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, part of the original ones were the band got a lot of independent filmmakers to come and, and make various ones, uh, various um, uh, clips. And the dinosaur one, I remember it made a mighty uni going, oh, they can't put the Ray Charles, Ray Charles song out with that one. So when it made it to a single, they obviously re-recorded the video of Ray in it. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, for those who don't know, the song Full Moon Duty Hearts, is a, there's a very young Ben Mendelsohn in that clip uh, that you'll see when he's about 24 years of age. And that's a, a pretty cool clip. Uh, which uh, I think uh, has been restored as well. Speaking of which, uh, other bands and clips, uh, there's a co- couple of cool little articles uh, be coming out this particular week. Uh, one from Rolling Stone had the top 200 songs of the 80s and In Excess Has Never Tear Us Apart came in at 185. Strangely, I think Weird Al Yankovic came at 184, so that didn't really make sense to me. Was Weird Al a big thing in the UK in the 80s? I remember that one song. What was the song? Eat It. Mm. Still beat it. They did it. That was it. Oh yeah. Oh my god, that was terrible. 
Look, he's had a few funny ones over the years, but look, if you do want to check out that list of 200, it is a very vexed and interesting list. Also in the last week, there's a good article on Denny Hines who talks a little bit about her recording with NXS back in 92 for Welcome. And she said, great little anecdote about uh, recording with uh, with Michael. And he was in a big glass uh, f- uh, booth and I think he might have had champagne or something like that, and he sprayed it all in the shape of a love heart oh. uh, while he was oh. in there. And she said it was the best musical experience of our life. Oh. But uh, if you do go to uh, a publication called The Music and put in Denny Hines in excess, you'll get a bit of a fully-fledged uh, breakdown of that. Uh, Denny did sing backup vocals on Not Enough Time. Also, I think might have been a Men and Women, I think, on there as well. Mm-hmm. Also, 2B, uh, the Jets, Newcastle women's, uh, I think there could be a soccer team there. They've just uh, had a new song come out, played by a lady there called, uh, I think, uh, Lynch Bowtell, and it's uh, Never Terrace Apart. I won't say it's a rip-roaring version, more of a melancholy version. Uh, again, that song still seems to have another life for it everywhere around Australia. Some know it is the song that is played before all Port Adelaide home games, uh, which is quite inspiring. Also, too, there's a cool little article uh, in the Singers' Room, another top 10 by a gentleman called Sam Moore, who has an interesting sort of expansive take on his top 10 in excess songs. Uh, and they're always quite good to, to look at. Vibration Magazine site uh, has a great dive on just the band in excess and just what made them great. Uh, I recommend that one to look at. There's a, a book site called uh, Cleveland. There's a good interview with the band regarding the book and some some anecdotes that we didn't hear in Australia. I think Cleveland uh, might be a big book company, an online book company in the US. I urge people that want to check that article out to go look at that one. And B, there's a new cover band in the UK. They're called Elegantly in Excess. Have you heard of them? No, I haven't. Okay. They're playing in uh, the town of York. Okay, which I, I believe is up in Yorkshire area. Is that right? Yes. Up north or up north. And uh, they're playing, uh, I think, around in May 2024. So if you are in that area of- Northern England. Northern England, that's right. A good opportunity to go maybe check them out uh, within that region. So this, since we started this podcast, B, I reckon there might be four or five UK cover bands now. Uh, well, there's at least three. There's at least three. I think there might be one in Scotland as well. Not one in Ireland yet, but you never no. know. Mm. Okay. I know there's uh, a pub in Dublin that's um, in excess themed. Is there? Yeah. Really? It's called the In Excess Inn. <laughs> well, we did go, remember we recorded or we might have taken some photos down here in Melbourne with your lovely daughter at the Shabu Shabar Bar. Remember that? Oh, yeah. That was a good bar, actually. That was. That mm. was. Mm. I think you might have been on crutches that day. Was I? Oh, Jesus. Yes. So. And anyway, we did hint the other week. It might have been two weeks ago and didn't get a chance to elaborate. I think I said earlier I would talk more about it. Have you had a chance to check out the Suicide Blonde versus Lenny Craig? Yes, I've already talked to him. One. <laughs> I saw you posted something. <laughs> Lenny, what are you doing? We, actually, that's yes, pretty good. I actually the, quite like it. <laughs> the Mondas, yeah, you liked the clip with his bare butt, didn't you? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and when he's shaking it. <laughs> well... We need to, uh, just for the sake of, of modern magic and post-production, we just need to do a quick little uh, before and after. That is the in excess one. There, I think our friend Justin Vulcans uh, from his great little, uh, you know, ten-minute podcast he does every week uh, highlights it as well. He brought it to my attention. So, but yeah, big lift from Lenny. <laughs>
That's the news of the week. Hey, this is Tim Farris. Big shout out to Hayden and B. Also want to say hello to all the listeners and NXS fans. Thanks for listening. I love you, Hayden and B. You're doing a great job. Keep it up. And now it's time for Topic of the Week. All right, B. Well, uh, 1998, uh, effectively the 12-month period from November 97 to November 98, where the band finally got back up on stage and played at the Mushroom concert, I think it was on the 14th of November 1998. That 12-month period was a massive year of uncertainty and scuttlebug and, I guess, real confusion because a bit like they say, you know, cut the cut the head off the snake, you know, you got no stake anymore. And there was that sense that particularly within excess, that Michael being such the figurehead that the band wouldn't sort of recover, would doubtful to go on. Do you sort of remember, so in the UK, just, I mean, there was so much probably more tabloid stuff happening there, more about Paula and Michael's estate rather than the band. But do you have some memories of that sort of 12, 18 month period after Michael's passing, B? Well, a lot of sadness on my part, but yes, at the beginning, it was all hearsay because nobody really knew what was going on and hmm. what what how Michael had passed, that was, you know, what had happened mm. and the leader, everything that we went through last week. But yeah, then there was all the interviews and and the yeah. worst thing for me was um, Tina and Pat coming out with their book and saying things, horrible things about Paula. Mm. I mean, even when you read the books now, it's like, oh, they said this, they're doing it for money and they're doing yeah. that. And it's like, wasn't it wasn't all good. It, no. None of it was good. And that was the foundations that In Excess were having to come back from. And like, how can you carry on without Michael? Well, you know, they were heartbroken. But at the end of the day, they'd started their bands without Michael. You know, mm. they were musicians first. You know, if we think back to the period, about three weeks after Michael's passing, the band got together with George Negus. And we were going to sort of highlight that interview a little bit more today, but uh, it has, I think, been taken down from all the, the platforms. Look, George Negus, probably for those that don't know, he was a, a significant Australian journalist. He was one of the first four people to appear on 60 Minutes in Australia, famously parodied by Paul Hogan in his comedy sketch show. He wasn't called George Negus, he was called George Fungus. Uh, <laughs> but George used to have his very, very uh, amiable style. He famously interviewed Margaret Thatcher B in the late 70s, early 80s, and he's he's opening a line to her where people are saying, Miss uh, Prime Minister, blah, 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 and she would say, who are they? What are their names? Tell me their names. Who are you referring to? I'll write them down. <laughs> so there was that great sort of uh, interviewee ability to go back and challenge, but look, thankfully, probably had the respect through all of the media circles. He was a, quite an iconic figure here, and the band sat down with him and effectively, you know, Tim had a lot of the interview and I think they thought, well, you know, we're just going to have one interview, we're just going to say our piece, say where we're at, try have some reflection on what's occurred, try make sense of it in some description. You know, that particular interview, I said, unfortunately, has been taken down. The dignified thing about that interview, as I said last week, it wasn't paid for, it wasn't done to, for exploitative reasons. The band effectively, you know, that couple of weeks after Michael passed, all retreated to their farms, all retreated to their estates all just got out of dodge, so to speak. I think in some of the books from Mr. Murphy and, and the story to story, you'll find just specifically what how each band member sort of dealt with it at the time. But needless to say, a lot of them had bad dreams. A lot of them had visions. A lot of them had, you know, heartache that they probably just had to process in their own way. 
What was interesting though, as the next year started to sort of, you know, kick in, pardon the pun, and life started to emerge and a new year began, was then you had the postmortems, you had the, you know, the the shock jocks, and then you had the two bit opinion pieces, you had, you know, the women's day and the no ideas or the new ideas or whatever come out and try and sort of, you know, put together things you know, take t- uh, t- tedious quotes and formulate a story. There were things that we did know, though, that sort of started to emerge over the next year. And Gary, I can say this for a fact, uh, doing my research, Gary had a really bad finger injury, ironically, uh, that year and had to have an operation, um, you know, which uh, I guess mirrored uh, Tim many years later. Kirk actually went off and uh, during that 98 year produced a six-track EP with his brother, uh, Drew, his band called Coup. Andrew, again, at the time, I didn't quite realise this until a few years later, but there was quite a famous uh, country guy in Australia called Troy Cassadaly, uh, and these guys uh, had met at the APRA Awards maybe sometime in 98, and Troy's manager uh, was trying to get you know Troy to have a bit more of a pop sensibility, crossover from country to pop, and hit Andrew up, and the guys, you know, Andrew suddenly shared his love of country, which we now know is existent. Yeah, Troy's a good guy. Yeah, those guys got together and uh, talked about farms and about recording and and did some things together. Hal Hutchins, he uh, had a a bypass, a heart bypass that year uh, whilst he was trying to put together Michael's Memorial, you know, the 12-month anniversary. Tim set up a production company called Montana. I don't know if that was after Tony Montana from Scarface or the uh, the uh, state of Montana. I'm not sure, uh, but he was doing film soundtracks. He uh, Tim was putting together stuff for corporate type gigs. He was doing the uh, I think the uh, National Basketball League uh, promo music, uh, some doco sort of stuff through that. And it came about I think through a meeting with a, an exec from Saatchi and Saatchi bumped into it at a pub. He also was working with a band called Fun Tons. Uh, and it's interesting because at the time, B, there really was no internet. There was no Google. So some of this stuff just happened and you read about it years later. You don't know that it occurred unless you bought the right paper on the right day. Uh, they kept themselves busy. Yeah. You know, it wasn't in the forefront of the public, you know. No, uh, right. they, they needed this. So that's good that they had all these projects. And Gary had on. the Mangove Studios that we talked to him about. Yeah. Which we had artists okay. come in, which I think occupied him. Uh, it was there. John, you know, John obviously, you know, went up, probably up and retreated to his sort of era. I think, you know, moved away from Sydney eventually. but was always very, very finicky with his music and things. But I do remember one of the, the disappointing parts of this era was just the amount of tabloid ex- exploitation going on. You know, again, so you don't need to have the correct story to have a story, do you, B? No, um, no. I'm sure uh, the home of the tabloids, the UK, we've uh, seen some very crazy headlines there in your past. And uh, needless to say, a year earlier, Diana had died. And I mean, they dined on that for the next 10 years, didn't they, about Diana? Yeah. Ironically, the crime just started again. Do you watch the crime with Diana? No, I haven't yeah, seen it. it was on no. last night. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, very sad. Are they after the Diana part, are they? Yeah. She just passed away in the car. And yeah. Yeah. It's pretty raw, actually. It's really, it's, they, they've done it very well. And Diana comes back and speaks to Charles and speaks to the Queen. Yeah. Whoa. Very good. Mm. Right. And then you had obviously Michael's stuff, you know, with his his estate, which, you know, became a real issue, you know, regarding just his monies and the amount of trusts that he had and Colin Diamond and, you know, the inheritance and then there was the family fighting oh, over that was what? And and that went on for twenty years. Yeah, still is. Still yeah, is. Yeah. I don't think it's ever been totally resolved. Uh, and I never know, Hayden. Why is yeah. why is it that you know um, in excess weren't allowed to sort of like carry on with another singer? Yeah, ACDC did so quickly. Look, I think that's a 
That's a really, really good question. And it's not about being allowed to, I think, you know. As said, yeah, but the public were open to it more. There's two distinct differences. You had ACDC were on the climb and you probably had NXS were on the decline. Mm. Uh, and you had such an entrenched brand in Michael and everything there visually. Whereas yeah. ACDC was more of a, an audio band. They weren't film clip orientated. They weren't mm. part, the part of the 70s, early 80s where film clips weren't that important. Mm-hmm. So Brian Johnson came in in sort of 1980, 81 when MTV hadn't started yet. So a lot of people didn't even know the difference. In fact, some people still don't know the difference. Yeah. So I think there was some some of those things there. You know, plus plus you know the circumstances. You know, I think Brian accidentally died, whereas mm-hmm. Michael you know deliberately died. And I think there was a big narrative around that. You know, that made a bit of a difference in the band's decisions to not know what to do versus the other. You kill the pain you feel You kill the pain you feel Also to uh, Martha. Now you've, you've spoken to Martha Trout, I think, on you know various emails over time. I mean, she sort of resumed. I think she was done a lot of Michael stuff, but I think she ended up taking over a lot of the band's duties and things. And look, it wasn't easy for her. There was rumours going around that it was going to be maybe a tribute concert uh, around sort of the early 1999, of which uh, there was acts like I think rumoured at the time like Bowie and Elton John and Iggy Pop and U2 and Duran Duran and Tom Jones and Mid-Eyed Oil were maybe going to get involved in London or the uh, in New York or Sydney uh, as a little bit of a tribute. But I think as Martha probably rightly said, you know, around late 98, no one's ready for that yet. They're still grieving. They're still, you know, I know what they did one for Freddie Mercury, didn't they? I think in London in 92. Yeah, but- I don't. I don't think that was right, though. I mean, look what they did for the um, the lovely lady Mac Fleetwood Mac. What was her name? Oh, uh, Chrissy McVie. You know, they did a beautiful um, concert for her straight after she passed away. I mean, did they? Yeah, they did. It was gorgeous. It was what absolutely gorgeous. And Bowie, and um, they did a great one for him as well. And yeah, and you're right. And they did one for Freddie. And I don't think it's ever too late. It's no, well, this stuff was to being, do. Yeah, mm. this stuff was being talked about in July '98, with a view of doing it to commemorate Michael's birthday in '99. But I still think the band and management and everything was still very raw. You know, to put something together, you know, grieving is a, is an interesting thing. I just don't think that the whole network was ready there. And and look, Chris Murphy wasn't there at the time either to okay. spearhead or championing something like that. He would have. He would have done yeah, that. Yeah, he probably could have pulled it together. Well, he would have. Yeah. I do know in July 98, and I'm going to probably feature this maybe in a future episode, but Tim did come out probably as the first band member to sort of sit down individually and speak at great length. Uh, I'm going to save some of that for another week, but needless to say that he was probably talked a little bit about changing the name of the band to the Farris Brothers, uh, having a point of difference. That's been something that's come up a few times over the journey. He was very much like the band were going to take a year off anyway. Everybody needs their time and space. He felt like him and John and and probably Andrew were going to be in a good place to do something. He thought that maybe Kirk would be reluctant. Gary, he wasn't sure about, but um, they just, again, were still healing and going through that sort of process there of, you know, coming to terms with, you know, what it was because, you know, as much as, as we can talk altruistically and say they lost, you know, their friend and their, and their, their pal and everything there, they also lost a bit of their career direction overnight too. 
all of us have experienced loss in our lives. We've eventually gone back to work in a week or two or three weeks time. They couldn't really go back to work to get their structure of that part of their life right, let alone deal with the, you know, um, departing of Michael as a friend. Plus, you know, the circumstances, you know, I think Brian accidentally died, whereas mm-hmm. Michael, you know, deliberately died. And I think there was a big narrative around that, you know, that made a bit of a difference in the band's decisions to not know what to do versus the other. Also to uh, Martha. Now, you've, you've spoken to Martha Trout, I think, uh, on you know various emails over time. I mean, she sort of resumed. I think she was doing a lot of Michael stuff, but I think she ended up taking over a lot of the band's duties and things. And look, it wasn't easy for her. There was rumours going around that it was going to be maybe a tribute concert around sort of the early 1999, of which uh, there was acts like, I think, rumoured at the time like Bowie and Elton John and Iggy Pop and U2 and Duran Duran and Tom Jones and Mid-Eyed Oil. We're maybe going to get involved in London or the uh, in New York or Sydney as a little bit of a tribute. But I think, as Martha probably rightly said, you know, around late '98, no one's ready for that yet. They're still grieving. They're still, they're still, you know. I know what they did one for Freddie Mercury, didn't they? I think in London in '92. Yeah, but- I don't. I don't think that was right though. I mean, look what they did for the um, the lovely lady. Oh God, her name escapes me. From Mac Fleetwood Mac. Oh, Chrissy McVie. You know, they did a beautiful concert for her straight after she passed away. I mean... Did they? Yeah, they did. It was gorgeous. It was absolutely gorgeous. And Bowie, and they did a great one for him as well. And yeah, and you're right, and they did one for Freddie. And I don't think it's ever too late. It's no, well, this stuff was being, to do. Yeah, mm. this stuff was being talked about in July 98 with a view of doing it to commemorate Michael's birthday in 99. But I still think... The band and management and everything was still very raw. Mm-hmm. And, you know, to put something together, you know, grieving is, a, is an interesting thing. I just don't think that the whole network was ready there. And, and look, Chris Murphy wasn't there at the time either to okay. spearhead or champion something like that. He would have. He would have yeah, done yeah. that. Yeah, he probably could have pulled it together. Well, he would have, yeah. I do know in July 98, and I'm going to probably feature this maybe in a future episode, but Tim did come out probably as the first band member to sort of sit down individually. Uh, I'm going to save some of that for another week, but needless to say that he was probably talked a little bit about changing the name of the band to the Farris Brothers, having a point of difference. That's been something that's come up a few times over the journey. It was very much like the band were going to take a year off anyway. Everybody needs their time and space. He felt like him and John and and probably Andrew were going to be in a good place to do something. He thought that maybe Kirk would be reluctant. Gary, he wasn't sure about, but um, they just, again, were still healing and going through that sort of process there of, you know, coming to terms with, you know, what it was. Because as much as, as we can talk altruistically and say they lost, you know, their friend and their pal and everything there, they also lost a bit of their career direction overnight too. All of us have experienced loss in our lives. We've eventually gone back to work in a week or two or three weeks' time. They couldn't really go back to work to get their structure of that part of their life right, let alone deal with the, you know, um, departing of Michael as a friend. Yeah, we all need that purpose in life, don't we? And their purpose on this planet was to to make music and that yeah. was taken away from them. 
Mm. Yeah, I remember this particular time there was a, a film Michael had uh, had had done called Limp. She ironically played a record executive in uh, LA. In the movie, he was quoting about part of his lines. Had to quote about Kurt Cobain. Got oh, Cobain was a pussy killing himself. Ra ra ra. I know. Very ironic. You sort of hear that line, and I think mm. they ditched the movie from a cinematic release because of just the taste factor of. Mm those words and Michael and everything there. So it just didn't lend itself to that type of release. As I said earlier, uh, I don't know if I mentioned, but uh, a lot of the bands were starting to come out within a year. Some of their contemporaries, musical friends were suddenly putting things together. I think the Smashing Pumpkins had a, an album called A Door come out in the end of 98. Uh, they had a song called Shame on there that you know was about Michael in a quite a touching way. Duran uh, Duran had an album come out called The Desert Land, uh, and he had Simon wrote a lyric called or a song called Michael. You've got a lot to answer for. I need to just press on that yeah. one, Hayden, because yeah. it actually was written before Michael passed away. Oh, was and it? that song, yeah, and it was more about Michael was just like a bit of a larrikin, and he was a bit naughty when they all lived in the south of France. And it's about that more than about Michael passing away. I just I'm wanted glad to. You, I'm glad you've clarified that, that because okay. that Desert Land album came out in '97. I thought, gee, that's a quick turnaround between yeah. wanting mm. to do and mm. putting that out. So thanks for that. Berlin, you know Terry Nunn, the lead singer of Berlin, "Take My Breath Away." Beautiful. Her and Michael had a bit of a dalliance there back in the '80s, and. She saw him on stage, and I think she said, uh, my whole body melted when she first saw him. Well, probably the only, wasn't the only thing that melted uh, later that night, but uh, she had a song come out called uh, Sacred and, and Profane, the Voyeur album, and that was, uh, I think, about 2002, but I think, again, in, inspired by Michael's um, you know circumstances. An Australian band, The Church, which most people know overseas for the hit Under the Milky Way, Steve Kilby's the least singer that band, and he was always jealous of Michael and always – you know, punching on sort of verbally a bit about him in the press. And when Michael died, he was like, oh, my God, I always felt this guy had everything there and he broke down and he was really upset about him dying because he's like, well, if a guy like Michael kills himself, what hope is there for the rest of us? And Steve was a sort of melancholy sort of guy, but he wrote a, a song called This Is It uh, off uh, their album called The Hologram of Baal. Uh, and then we know you two towards the end of 98, 99 were recording their, uh, well, the come of pop, but they were starting to put stuff together for the All You Can't Leave Behind album. And they came out with Stuck in a Moment, which we all know was dedicated and about Michael. So it would be hard being a contemporary of, of Michael and just processing, you know, losing somebody who Bono said, you know, there's a seat at the bar that's missing. Yes, that was very yeah. poignant when he said that. In fact, yeah. it wasn't just Bono, was it? It was the whole band were very yeah. close to Michael and uh, you could feel that when they actually said um, that piece on Michael. Yeah. Well, you know, you two came out to Australia uh, and, and toured in 98, fortunate enough to go see them. I saw them in February 98 and they did a tribute to Michael at the end of the show at VFL Park to the song Wake Up Dead Man and had the Full Moon Dirty Hearts picture all over the screen mm. uh, as they sort of literally drove off the, you know, the back of the stage into little limousines and things. Yeah. That same year, B, uh, one of the great cover bands, In Excessive, who we've had a chance to chat to, and I know you've had a little bit to do with David. David Graham started one of the very first In Excess cover bands here in Melbourne, B. Yeah, he'd already started that band before Michael had passed away. Right. Mm. Okay. Yeah, so yes, he was the first, one of the first ones. So, you know, there was a lot going on sort of this particular sort of time there. Also, too, uh, one of the things that sort of stood out a bit was the band, 
gradually as the year went on, you know, there was lots of discussions and talk about, you know, what could they do? Uh, fortunate to us, a friend of the show, uh, Mark Opitz, did you know happen to say that they, he was he was probably with the band towards the end of '98, maybe around early November, late October, where they were putting together a lot of the unreleased stuff and just looking and cataloging and, and things. You know, Martha had come out. Martha Trout had said there's about 40, 50 songs there with Michael's lyrics on them and singing, and they might try to put something together. Um, there was this, obviously this backdrop of Michael's solo album that was being worked on by Andy Gill at the time. Again, I just don't think they were ready to put their name to an album and put things out and they were still healing. As Mark Opitz was putting that, that stuff together, I believe Jimmy Barnes was in the studio uh, with him and and with some of the NXS guys. And I think that's just where the idea of maybe coming together and doing something you know, at uh, the Mushroom uh, Gala 25-year event sort of started to take fruition. Ironically, B, I did come up with a little bit of a stat before that. I do remember seeing something of this uh, on the TV back at the time, but uh, what people may not know is on November the 5th, some couple of weeks before Mushroom, Kirk, you know, he's always been very charitable, Kirk, hasn't he, I guess? Yes, yes. His causes. What are some of the causes he's associated with in the past, B? Well, through his eye condition, the glaucoma ones, yep. but, and then he does the Movember, doesn't he? Yes. He's, he's doing that at the he's moment. just taking some shape again, isn't it? Yeah. He, he said, uh, yeah, it's coming on very nicely, so I, we need another update, don't we? See yes, how his moustache is do. doing. <laughs> Uh, he's, I mean, his he's normal moustache has been so manicured, I almost thought it was pencilled on some of it. I know. actually like this big thick moustache <laughs> that he's got. He looks a bit like, what's that guy um, out of the... Um, is it the the car? Oh, which car? Magnum Pi. Yeah, it's Magnum, isn't it? It's, it's very Magnum. <laughs> it's all silly. Well, you know, only fans is a burgeoning industry. B maybe there could be a big only fans with their Kirks to have next. <laughs> all right, sorry, Kirks. Um, all right, but uh, but yeah, on November the fifth, the Starlight uh, Foundation, which is a very very uh, well respected children's charity in Sydney. He, along with Andrew on acoustic guitar and John on tambourine, oh. <laughs> played three or four songs for the kids at the hospital there for the Starlight uh, Gala event. So I think they played Never Tear Us Apart and things. And I think it was just to say the first time they'd really done anything musically with the three of them there. Along with you know, hanging out with Mark in the studio and putting some of this stuff together, I think Barnsley was very, very keen because what people may not know is the song Good Times, which was a big hit for them, wasn't actually on NXS's normal label. It was actually on the Mushroom label, not the Warner's label. So it meant that the rights to that particular song and the artist sort of rights to that and the proprietary rights to that as the publisher was with Mushroom. So NXS weren't a Mushroom label and they were really probably one that Mushroom uh, let get away because Warner's got in and stabbed them up early in their career along with Deluxe. But it did sort of set the foundations there where uh, Barnsley was, uh, you know, uh, put the idea in their head. You know, I think uh, from my knowledge, B, I heard rumours leading up to the event, even the couple of days before, I still believe from memory and a bit and through a bit of research that even though they were going to possibly play, they left an out clause right up to the day or the hour of recording if they didn't feel they could do it. Oh. So it was not published or promoted. No. However, what was published and promoted was that you know? Oh, they could be playing late. Uh, they could be playing the encore. Uh, we don't know just yet. That's going to happen. Uh, all we know is you know, from the point of view of uh, this gig, turn up because they could be playing there. And then I reckon about an hour before the concert, okay, it was announced they would be coming on. Well, I got into my car, went down to MCG, bolted down because it was in my home city, 
Went all the way down there, tried to get a ticket, couldn't get in. I was like, okay, whatever. Went home and watched it on the TV. Oh, good. Um, but uh, it could, and, I, and how did it make you feel? You know, I was just happy that they looked happy. Mm. Uh, one of the things that um, uh, was mentioned that, you know, Glenn A. Baker, who was in the crowd, said, oh, as the song went on, every time Timmy was strumming, his smile got bigger and bigger. Oh, good. So, you know, again, confidence, healing, all those sort of things. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. They probably felt naked getting up there without Michael, but having Jimmy there, a friend, and having Diesel, another friend, yeah. probably helped. But um um, I've got a little excerpt if I could quote from it because it might make it a bit easy for the recording. After the gig, Jimmy Barnes has told Linux says they should continue without Michael, uh, reads the headline in the Melbourne Herald Sun. Uh, I was a bit weary about asking them to do it, Barnes said yesterday, but I wanted them to get up on stage as therapy. They're great mates and I love Michael. It was a real honour. They're a unique band. I said to them, I know Michael's a hard man to replace, but don't replace him. Find something new you. It'd be great if they kept going. They had a private memorial early next week uh, for 12 months on. The service was for family and close friends and the band only. I think John, Andrew and Tim attended. Gary didn't attend the, the morning service but showed up a bit later that evening along with Andrew at the Cold Chisel show in Sydney. He was apparently in great spirits at the after party and talked about how he can't wait to start playing again. So I think from the point of view, that was really well received. I know Cold Chisel performed, well, the 12-month anniversary on the 22nd November at the Sydney Entertainment Centre. Barnsley dedicated uh, the show to his close friend Michael and paid tribute to the late singer by performing Forever Young during the encore. You know, I think those friendships and relationships and just those baby steps uh, around that gig were quite important to just sort of, you know, get a taste and feel that that something could be possible. I mean, look at Foo Fighters in the last year and lost Taylor Hawkins, but... Mm. You know, they didn't really go into their 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 shell for too long. I mean, they're no. back playing pretty fast, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. And it's great that Barnsley did that for the nation, but it would have been even better if somebody internationally known would have done it for the band and helped them heal more, don't you think? Oh, look, yeah, for, for global reach, 100%. Mm. Mm. If um, Simon LeBon had come out or um, U2's Bono or The Edge had come out and said something similar um, to help heal that wound, that that would have been fantastic. Yeah, yeah that would have really helped. You know, if we fast forward some sort of 10, 12 years later, unfortunately, Cole Chisel lost their drummer uh, to cancer, I believe. Uh, so, you know, and then they've kicked on, you know, with another uh, drummer, which ironically is Chrissy Amphlett's husband, Charlie Drayton, who uh, does all the drumming for them. So, you know, bands have to find a way of forging ahead. And the interesting thing, I guess, this particular 12 months, as we've said, it, it was a, a period of uncertainty. But I do know that that 1998, we had a couple of our patrons, I think uh, some of our listeners actually went to that memorial, didn't they, at uh, the Northern Chapel Crematorium there about, uh, I think it was on the actual day at that memorial park. I think Karen Peters was one of them, wasn't she? Uh, Yeah. 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 So, um, yeah, that, that particular year was probably the hardest year because, as I said, it was such an adjustment period and, you know, things start to move forward in 99 that we'll explore next week. But, um, B, that's really the aftermath. You're listening to the number one in Nexus podcast. And now it's time for fan engagement. 
Welcome back to Funny Engagement with myself, B and Danielle. Hi, Danielle. How are you doing over there in Florida? How's the weather? Well, hello, beautiful B. Uh, the weather in Florida is actually a little chilly. I'm wearing a certain uh, Michael Hutchins uh, Skull Collection sweatshirt over here just to keep myself nice and cozy and warm. Ooh, where'd you get that from? There's this wonderful host from this <laughs> amazing podcast. Oh, no, hey, you got it from... <laughs> <laughs> So Rhett was selling them, wasn't he? Was it last year? Oh, gosh. I think it was two Christmases ago. Two Christmases ago. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, well, because you are a patron to the show and you are a team member, I've got some T-shirts for you this year. So you'll be getting those later on in your Christmas sack. Thank you. So this week, it's like a bit full on. We've had lots of interaction with um, mainly because people were wanting to um, talk about Michael and his passing and how much he, he meant to a lot of people. Have you got some things there you want to read out, Danielle? I do. Yes, we've had so many people comment on our Facebook pages, message us, and we just kind of want to read out some of the the comments and some of the people that have made some great comments. But this is one that actually really caught my eye. And I think it's because a lot of us probably feel this way. Yes. So this is from, um, I believe, one of our our patrons, Anne-Marie. This podcast has truly been a healing experience and still is. This episode is head on and enlightened and still after all these years trying to come with terms with this. You two were wonderful in capturing the real essence of how we all felt and still feel. I haven't been able to watch the funeral yet to get some long overdue closure, but now I feel like I'm almost ready. Thank you, Hayden and B. And thank you, Anne-Marie. Anne-Marie's been with us from the very start and that was just beautiful to read. And yeah, it's exactly how most of us feel, isn't it? It, 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 It's very healing. It's very sad. Is there any others there you had? Well, we had some nice comments from Craig and Bernie and Stuart um, and Carl. But we had one a couple of weeks ago from someone that we gave a shout out previously named Giuliano. Still don't know if I'm saying that right, mm-hmm. but he has said, listen from the start, mentioned on one of the shout outs, but couldn't say my name. It's difficult. LOL. From Melbourne, Australia. Like Hayden, I love the swing, kick, and especially never tears apart. And Giuliano goes on to say as well that he saw Hayden at the Collingwood Premiership AFL celebrations, but he was with family, so he did not want to disturb him. Oh. But he did want to say hi. So it looks like uh, you guys are starting to get some fans out there. Great. That's lovely. Hello <laughs> to you. Hello to you. Okay. And that was all from Facebook, wasn't it? It was. Okay. I have got a huge list here I want to read out because there's been so many people interacting and I just want to point out to um, others that these people mean a lot to us. Amanda, Jason, Craig, Karen, Aaron, Stephen, Rebecca, Charmaine, Julie, Yolanda, Carla, Rhonda, Kerry, Anne, Brendan, Janice, Harry, Anna, Julie, Nancy, um, Vicky, Andreas, Cheryl, Joanne, Donna, Ange, Christina, David, Carlo, Giuliano, I think that's the same person maybe, <laughs> you spoke about a minute ago, Linda, Carol, Marie, Pedro, that's a different Pedro, to our In Search Of In Excess page, Roger, Nad, Pablo, Joe, Anne, Wonderson, 
and Katrina, Travis, Ivan, Desiree, Valerie, Mario, Diane, Warwick, Adriano, Cass, Rush, Emma, Susan, Victor, Isabella, Peter, and Michelle, Svesan, Lana, Bronwyn, Maureen, Stevie, Kathy, Dean, Diane, Suzanne. Whoa. So many people from so many places around the world. And Danielle, you've had a lot of people interacting again from the website as well, haven't you? I have. But speaking of people from around the world, we have had since the Michael Hutchins rest in peace post and episode go out. We've had people check in to our website all the way from Senegal, the Philippines, every corner of Australia, every corner of the US, all of the UK, all of Canada, Poland, Chile, Argentina, and a place that's actually really special to a lot of us NXS fans, Prague. Wow, yes. So it has just been amazing. And I would like to thank these people that have signed up uh, in the last week. Julian, Heidi, Jeep Girl, Gary, Vicky, Katie, Myra, Damien, Cheryl, James, and Barbara. Hello to you all. Absolutely fantastic. Such a good gang of us all now. Hey, we're going to storm this Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And that also brings me on to if you become a patron, we've got some free tickets being given to us, very kindly donated by somebody who doesn't want to be named, um, to go to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. We're going to celebrate Michael's birthday on the 22nd of January, and we're going to dish out some prizes to our patrons. So become a patron. You've got six weeks until the prize draw. And that will be two tickets to go to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And there will be, as we talk over the next couple of weeks, more prizes that will come out on that day. And one of them, um, in fact, I, I think, it, yeah, just one at the moment, um, Nick Egan, a beautiful honorary patron and friend of Michael's who did the kick cover for In Excess has actually painted it. I've just showed that to you, haven't I, to you, Danielle? What did you think? I loved it to have the the man that's actually did the cover to kind of repaint it. It's gorgeous and it's so lifelike and true to, to, to character. So whoever wins these, they're getting an amazing prize. Amazing. Okay, so Nick painted this on oils and it's over six foot, bless him. He will be doing some limited edition prints and he's going to give a couple to the show. So yeah, become a patron and um, you'll go into the um, draw to be, to win one of those. So um, yeah, come on board for less than $5 a week in um, Australia and America. That's the bronze. And then, yeah, you get a shout out on the show or you can choose your own level. Best way is to go to the website and, and that is in our description. Is there anything else? I don't think so. We've just, like I said, filled the love of Michael. If anybody has found us through the numerous Facebook pages that B and I happen to uh, tag team uh, the uh, Michael Hutchins Facebook uh, post with, 
Welcome aboard. We appreciate you being here. <laughs> I, I will tell you all that Danielle and I work um, the night shift and the day shift. <laughs> when one of us is asleep, the other one's awake and we're on there talking to you all. So um, yeah, it's it's good to read your names out this week. So um, yeah, and if you're listening to the show and you want to get a mention, then get engaging with us on the socials. We'll uh, we'll look forward to meeting you. I hope Scott M is now uh, listening to the podcast because he sent in a message how to and I sent him a link. So welcome aboard, Scott. Come on, be a patron too. Hey, this is Paul Jolly from Sydney and this is The Big Rat. All right, B. Well, uh, that's a bit of a wrap. Uh, we thought we would uh, just highlight uh, to our listeners that we uh, were able to transfer a big little chunk over to Ollie for all the revenue raising and a little little kicker on top. So I think he's going to be very happy with that. And we thank everybody who were involved with that, B. Yes, thank you very much. And if you still want to donate, there is a little um, link in this description as well. So you can go to the page and donate for him. Now, I don't know if it's come and gone yet. I will do some research, but I do believe Ali did tape a recording on the Rage program of certain songs and things that he might have put to tape a couple of weeks ago uh, that is coming out at the end of November or early December. So I, I'll do a bit of a double dive and just check if that's still there, if it's uh, downloadable or it's about to come up on live uh, TV. Uh, it is obviously something pretty cool where Ollie does break down certain bands and acts on the show Rage over a couple of hour periods. So that'd be pretty cool, B. Excellent. And Bruce has been leaking to me quite a lot of videos. In fact, I'll send them to you, Hayden, so yep. um, you can have a look. Um, made by um, Richard Lowenstein. Uh, yeah, they're fantastic. Some really cool songs that will be coming out from the Dogs in Space soundtrack very soon. Yep, excellent. Now, we're going to have a little new segment next week because uh, we have obviously got some content to fill, but I thought something that would be great to be able to do for our listeners is do a countdown, like a top 50 countdown of InXS's most important 50 songs, B, and tabulate a bit of a list together from 50 down to number one. We'll go do it in lots of 10, so 50 down to 41, 40 down to 31, et cetera, all the way down to, to number one. And do it over a five-week period where there's a little bit of a criteria, B. I've sort of attached to it. I've put down uh, five things. Musicianship, okay? Does it still stand up? Has it, like, from now to then, has it aged well? Catchiness and hooks, that's obviously something which is important. Does it something, as you say, can you dance to it, okay? Artistic achievement, something that uh, has had industry recognition or, or artistic achievement. And when in doubt, uh, myself throwing my own five cents worth in as well. So, <laughs> a little bit of uh, a little bit of uh, myself thrown in to uh, get a couple of songs over the line. But a lot of it's going to be really geared around just the, the public, the, the the critics, the impact on society. You know, the fact that they still stand up. A lot of these songs will really rank themselves. Uh, I have done the whole fifty, and I have done a lot of research over the last uh, three weeks where I've I've put every song together on the table. I've ranked them according to this and I've then tabulated them into a top 50. So there are some interesting omissions, B, but we won't let you know what those are until after the count. And when are you going to release that list to me, Hayden? Okay. Well, I don't know. If you can <laughs> it to you. It might, it'll go viral in about Sorry, three minutes. <laughs> well, I look forward to critiquing. Critique, I can't even say it. Critiquing. Yeah, uh, just so you're looking forward to criticising me. That's fine. That's it. <laughs> yeah. So um, a little bit of fun. 
But yeah, a lot of it really will, as I said, rank themselves and things like that. Uh, but uh, yeah, we'll kick off uh, next week, number 50 down to 41. That aside, also too, you know, a few people have asked, okay, well, in excess, you know, between 1998 and, you know, 2004, five when they really switched, you know, not much went on. Well, you'd be actually surprised. There's actually lots and lots of stuff that went on over that six-year period. So it's effectively gone through 1998 today where everything was at. Uh, 1999 and 2000, 2001, there was lots going on within the world, uh, whether it's different singers or different live, uh, sorry, different best-of compilations coming out, you know, uh, certain gigs they played at festivals. There was quite a bit going on. So for those who weren't around at the time or have a black spot for that, again, that's why you check us out. We will inform you and educate you over the next few weeks. All that aside, B, we are going to hand over a little bit of a tribute today that really ties into uh, both the Mushroom Concert and also a dearly departed friend and patron of the podcast, Val. It's a goodbye from me. God bless you, Val. And it's a goodbye from B.
came along as a special treat just to finish up. Gave me a big treat to play with these guys for a start. I'm going to do a song that, uh, it was uh, a number one song on the Mushroom label, I believe. I do say so myself. Is that right, Glenn? Thank you very much. Just check for the uh, reference there. Uh, and I was lucky enough to record this song with this band with Michael. I wish Michael was here, as we all do. Diesel's going to give you a hand, sing it. And it's been great playing for you. Happy birthday. This is the Dutchie, and you've been listening to In Excess, Access All Areas with Hayden and B. Yeah.